guess what would you say is our official prediction for this one? How do the how does this one go down? I got Astros in four. I think the Sox will take one game, but I just think Houston's built too well. Yeah, you know what? I'm inclined to agree. I don't see the Red Sox getting swept, but I think Houston probably should be favored in this one. Four games. Four brutal, uh, occasionally exciting games. <laughs> Chris, what do you think? I think we were pretty smart. I think we both nailed it. Unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, this is Max Cerullo. That's Chris Mason. This is the Eagle Tribune Sports Podcast. And this is your Red Sox post-mortem. The season is over, and uh, we've already had our first casualty. Uh, John Farrell was fired uh, yesterday after uh, yesterday morning. Five, five years on the job, five uh, successful but turbulent years. And uh, the, Red, the Red Sox uh, look forward. So, Chris, I mean, you were at the press conference. You were just saying how it was uh, a little bit of a... Uh, hectic of morning for you to get there. Yeah. Uh, just uh, what are your thoughts on John Farrell and all of that? I mean, ultimately, I think that he was never really Dombrowski's guy. Dombrowski didn't hire Farrell. He inherited him when he came here in 2015. And 2015 was the year that you couldn't fire him when he's going through chemotherapy. 2016, I, I really think if they were going to fire him, Dombrowski wanted to. Last year made way more sense to do it than this year. Last year's team was significantly better, got swept out of the first round. You had Lahulo on the bench, too, who was a no-brainer successor, and it just didn't happen. They, it, it was so weird last year, too. If you remember, they had their press conferences back-to-back, and Farrell had said, uh, someone asked him about next year, because he, I think he would have been in a contract year this year, or something like that. And he's like, oh, well, I don't know, I haven't, uh, I haven't heard anything. And then Dombrowski came in like a half hour later, and he got asked the same thing, and he was like, oh yeah, no, John's going to be back, I just talked to him in the hallway. And it was just so bizarre, like a lack of communication, but I guess that's kind of indicative of the relationship they had. I guess so. I mean, yeah, I mean, you were around the team this whole year. I mean, was there any, ever any talk amongst the beat writers as to why he was back or, you know, if there was any talk of him being fired or, you know, there's those sort of things that kind of circulate around a clubhouse but maybe not always are never actually reported? Well, I guess I, I think... Everyone, no one was really expecting to be fired in season at any point. I mean, I, the end of July was kind of rough, but still, you can address that at the trade deadline. You can figure it out a different way. It just, I, I think after he was brought back or this year, the writing was on the wall that he was going to finish it. But now that you fire him here, it just, I, it, it's kind of a head scratcher, the timing of it. But. Makes, you, makes you think that this season maybe could have gone better if, you know, let's say, Lovulo or if somebody else was in here to help manage things better. Yeah, it, I mean, I thought this was. Farrell's best year with the Red Sox as an in-game manager. You look at their bullpen, like, you look at those faces, not a ton of talent, really, but they overachieved. Like, they were great all year. They, like, statistically were one of the best bullpens in baseball. You obviously have Craig Kimbrell, who's all-world, but then beyond that, you know, you were getting a ton of meaningful contributions from Joe Kelly. I mean, Matt Barnes was up and down, but there's, I mean, Heath Hembree was pretty solid for a lot of the year. There's a lot of faces that I think were put in a position to succeed, like, yeah, he ended up winning one more game this year with, I think, a significantly worse team than last year, and then he's gone. So, I mean, it, it's perplexing for sure. Well, he, he did say that um, somebody asked him how many wins would it have taken or would a World Series championship have made a difference, and he said no. Which is a ridiculous answer. Yeah, you got to – not clarifying that is also pretty ridiculous. So. Yeah, the whole press conference was bizarre yesterday, Dombrowski's, when he just would not say anything. Like, all of a sudden, it's like – Oh yeah. Well, I, I'm keeping these like decisions to myself. What? This is a, so, it's a complete departure from the guy so that he's been. Why, why even have a press conference? Exactly. Then? It's 34 minutes of my life that I'll never get back. But I mean, what are you going to do? So, 
the Red Sox themselves, obviously, uh, the series more or less played out sort of the way you would have imagined. The Astros can hit. They hit well. Their mm-hmm. pitchers pitched well. And in the end, they, you know, game four, you thought the Red Sox maybe could have pulled that out. And then who knows how game five goes. But in the end, the Astros just just won. And they're, they're a better team. That's I was not expecting the Red Sox to look as bad in Houston as they did. Like, they didn't just lose in Houston. They lost bad. They looked in over their head. I think game three was a big one for them where, like, it's like, all right, this team's not going to roll over. Like, they're going to be hard to kill. And then, obviously, the wheels just fell off the end of game four. Yeah, I mean, what happened with Sale and with Kimbrell there? Because, like, the, that's exactly the spot that you have them in the, on the team for, and they, you know, they didn't get the job done. You think? It, it's interesting. It's easy to Monday morning quarterback the eighth inning after the fact, um, after Sale gives up that homer to Bregman. But, I mean, before that, so he'd thrown four innings. He looked sharp for the first three. The fourth line, he started to lose it a little bit. But bottom line was he'd thrown four innings, and I think given up two singles. So... I mean, do you really trust Addison Reed more than a, a – I mean, he was at like 60 pitchers or so. He's starting to fatigue. You can make a case that you should have brought Reed in, of course. but Yeah, and see, that's the thing. I, I don't feel like they made a mistake keeping him in. It's just more just like you, you would kind of expect him to succeed in that spot. Mm-hmm. Kimbrell then to succeed in that spot, mm-hmm. and they didn't. So. The other thing with Kimbrell is that, like, you look across the field and you have um, Giles for the Astros comes in, six out save, and it's like nothing of it. Kimbrough doesn't do that. I mean, he's never been conditioned to do that. He's, like, through the minors, his entire career, he's been like, oh, you're ninth inning. You're, like, a three-out guy. So then, I mean, you see him come in, the wheels fall off, and it's... See, I'm not a baseball, like, I never was any good at baseball growing up. But I never understood, like, why that should even matter. Or, like, the guys who seem to struggle when they hit the sixth spot as opposed to, like, the two spot or something. Because, obviously, it makes a big difference, but, like... Is it really that? Does it really make that big a difference? Or ultimately, if you're a pitcher, you you pitch, or if you're a hitter, yeah. you hit. Well, it's it's interesting. It's like for some guys, it obviously does make a difference, and other guys, it just doesn't for whatever reason. I mean, yeah, I'm um, not questioning. I'm not questioning that. It's no, it's, it's obvious it's, that it's a thing, but I've never just understood why that why it is. I think if you could solve it, you'd be a probably a pretty wealthy man. You know, I guess so <laughs> like, yeah. If, like, if you could be, like, the Kimbrel Whisperer here, like, oh, no, like, three outs isn't a thing, six outs, and suddenly, like, something clicks, but just, uh, I don't know, not the way of the world. I guess so. So, Red Sox season is over. What do you think the team has to do to move forward in, in terms of personnel, the manager, just turning things around, <laughs> making things better? What? I think there's one absolute no-brainer move that they should go after, and that's not Giancarlo Stanton. That's J.D. Martinez. Martinez with the Diamond, he finished the year with the Diamondbacks. He's a free agent. Get 45 bombs between the Diamondbacks and Tigers this year. You don't have to give up anything to get him. You immediately address your power problem in the lineup. And I like it as a domino effect. So he's an outfielder. You can put him at DH, basically kick handling the butt, be like, hey, you're playing first base now. Like, you're going to be engaged again because it's so apparent with him when he's engaged and when he's not engaged. Like, I mean, the ALDS is a perfect example. You could tell that he, like, who knows if it's just the playoffs that he turned it on, whether it's getting benched for game one. He was pretty good. He was their best hitter by far. And you see flashes of that, and you're like, well, where is this guy been? You it's know? not even that. He was cocky. He flashed a choke sign at somebody at yep. one point after a double. Like, like, engaged. And I think when he's playing for states, he's way more engaged than when he's just sitting in the dugout, you know, like, I don't know, four bats a game, and then twiddling his thumbs, doing whatever, and he does the rest of the time. Whereas I think when he's at first base, you have to be engaged in the field. You're talking to people on the bases. Like, it's a completely different um, 
situation. So I think Martinez can kind of, you know, that's a domino effect with him and Hanley. He can't be like, oh no, I'm not gonna, uh, like I'm not gonna play first base because he has the vesting option for 2019 where he needs, I think it's a little over 500 at bats to get an extra year at 22 million dollars, which he's not gonna get elsewhere. So right, like so he, he needs to be at the, on the field at the plate. Give him a good reason to play first base then. Yeah, and then even even if you didn't want to do that and you want to um, trade Jackie Bradley or someone in the outfield that you don't think you're gonna be able to re-sign down the line. You could you could just put Martinez there. I mean, then have Betts and uh, Benintendi handle right and center, however you see fit. I guess so. Yeah, I mean, Martinez is obviously uh, he gives you that thunder in the middle of the lineup for sure. Uh, you're going to hear a lot of people saying Giancarlo Stanton. Giancarlo Stanton. Is that something you see as realistic? Is it could like because obviously that would be the we all know how the Red Sox ownership loves to make a big splash. Well, that's the thing with Dave too, with Dombrowski. I mean, Sale, Kimbrell, like. He's never been afraid to make big moves if he sees a star that he likes. But I just don't see why you would make that move when you have to, you're going to have to give up so much to get Stanton. Like, if the Marlins are shopping him, everyone in the league is going to want that guy. Like, he's a great player. I also don't know. He, he's been in Miami his whole career. You don't know how he's going to handle Boston. Whereas, I mean, I'm not saying Detroit is Boston by any means. Martinez was an all-star there, too. And it's like, all right, well. Well, yeah, I guess that's a good point. And then, uh, Let's like let's consider a possibility here. So the uh, Cleveland Indians, uh, who have just crashed out of the playoffs to uh, the Yankees, the Indians went and got uh, Edwin Encarnacion, and was a big a big success for them. The Red Sox did not, and that didn't help them. So bringing Martinez or Stanton, that's the kind of move that's going to hopefully address that particular issue. Of but is there something to be said about the possibility that? Let's say even if the Red Sox do get a, a player, the Yankees are looking good. They've now uh, you know, demonstrated the ability to come back in a series. You know, Aaron Judge, for all of his struggles, is a is a monster at the plate. They've got you know exciting young team. What happens if they were to go out and get Stanton? Look out! Yeah, like I mean, that team. That team's already legit. I don't think they would just because again you have to give up a bunch of assets for them. Where I think, I mean, the fact the Yankees are this good already is kind of shocking because. Everyone just thought they were waiting for the 2018 free agent class with Harper or Machado getting mm-hmm. one, maybe both of those guys. That's, a, like, that's another possibility. Exactly. So this team, that team's only going to get better, and I think they've done it very intelligently internally. Like they gave Judge time to develop, they gave Sanchez time to develop. Like so many of these guys are just drafted. I mean, they've got Pretorius for basically nothing. Like they've been, uh, they built the team very intelligently. So I don't know that they would go after Stanton, but if they did, I mean. Stanton at Yankee Stadium. It would be pretty on brand for uh, the Yankees to go out and make that kind of move, though. Mm-hmm. To be fair, um, so it's yeah, not days. Uh, yeah, that's true. But uh, who knows? I mean, they are the Yankees. I mean, they are. That's all they have to do is just queue up the old videos and say, "Oh yeah, that's right. Let's go do that thing and make everybody go crazy." So that would be fun. Though. Yeah, It'd definitely make things interesting. Um, so yeah, so uh, I guess looking ahead, uh, Yankees Astros AS- ALCS. Not the matchup we expected, but certainly going to be a good one. Uh, what do you think? Is this the uh, Astros' year, or are the Yankees going to continue to make their big run? I called the Astros on the first podcast, so i got to stick with them. I think, uh, I mean, I just think they ultimately will have the edge with their pitching. Like, their front-end pitching is nasty. I don't know that the Yankees can match Verlander and Keuchel with, like, anyone on their staff, really. Obviously, they have the bats, but Houston has the bats, too. Yeah, that's true. Severino... Hit or miss in the postseason so yep. far, based on what we've seen. So I guess we'll see. But yeah, I, I would. I'm inclined to agree. I feel like Astros in six. 
I'm I'm bummed though. I I, I really wanted the Indians to make a run because after last year too, I mean, I've just felt like that's the team in the city that deserved it. But you can't say that the Yankees didn't deserve the comeback. I no. mean, they they outplayed them three games. You could even argue four games in a row. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the Indians, uh, not their year, I guess. Yeah, it's a bummer too, just because that team is so much fun to watch. You know, it's like when. When is Andrew Miller coming into this game? Like, right. oh, Cody Allen's in like the seventh inning tonight. It's just the way Frank on manages them is very interesting. Yeah, but I mean, eyeballs are always going to be on the TV when uh, when the Yankees are involved. So yeah, I'm sure Major League Baseball is pretty pretty happy with the result. So the uh, Nationals and Cubs play tonight. So you know, no point in really breaking that one down. But uh, since everybody will hear this tomorrow, but we do have the Dodgers. Uh, they swept their first round series. Looking pretty good. Um, they've obviously have some postseason demons to exercise of their own, but sure mostly do. those are NLCS demons. So, what do we think about the, just based on what, you know, regardless of who they play, how do we like the Dodgers? Oh, I hope they see the Cubs. I, I hope the Cubs win tonight just because I want to see that LCS matchup. Like, I know you like your Nats, I know you want to see them, but I, I just want to see the Dodgers have to go through the Cubs to finally get to a World Series. Mm. So, yeah, but I mean, they look legit in the first round. They, um, the Diamondbacks are a team that had their number during the season, so for them to, I mean, obviously they're a significantly more talented team, the Dodgers are, but to actually put them to bed in three games I think is important for them. Yeah, because, like, you know, after the end of the season they had, you knew that if they showed any sign of weakness, everybody would just be like, oh, here, here come the Dodgers. They're uh, looking like, the, like they're going to choke again. No, they, they look good, so... Yeah, so one of us is going to sound dumb tomorrow, I guess. Nats or Cubs. Uh, I'll sound dumb either way. Whatever. <laughs> um, sounds good to me either way. All right, I guess just any last thoughts on the 2017 Red Sox or baseball in general? I, I had my post-mortem call where I hear a lot of 2017 Red Sox. They were a good team. They weren't a great team. That's ultimately what it comes down to is their lineup was just too flawed. Their pitching crapped out. And I guess it just is what it is. I think... Um, I really think they should go and get some glue guys in the offseason, though. If you look at um, what the Astros did last offseason, I think that's something that you're not going to entirely emulate, but bringing in Carlos Beltran basically to teach those young Latin players, like, this is how you're going to be a leader, and he had a huge impact in that clubhouse. Josh Reddick is another one they signed. It's a great clubhouse guy that they basically, like, analytics were like, I don't know that you give this guy four years, $50 million, but... I think his impacts are already very apparent. And Brian McCann, too, just like veteran leader that can kind of hold the clubhouse together because I don't know that you want David Price running the show. Well, actually, I know that you don't want David Price running don't the, want show him being the show. Yeah. No. Yeah, I would love to see Carlos Beltran play for the Red Sox, even if he is pretty much washed up. Yeah, I mean, this this year is the first year that he really like took a step back, like a, a leap back. I think his OPS ended up being like six-something, but... He wants to keep playing, and he's someone that you can add on the cheap. I mean, why not? Why not? That guy's that guy's awesome. Like, even if he sticks, like, he's still he's invaluable. He's not gonna be any worse than Chris Young was this year. No, of course not. You know what? What Ichiro wouldn't be bad either. I guess. Just be interesting. Seeing him in a Red Sox uniform would be hilarious. But it would be it would be fun to watch. But I just don't know how much he would impact clubhouse in a way that Beltran can. Yeah, I mean that's true. I'm just look at this point. I'm just basically throwing spitballs because I just I love that guy. And, I hope he never retires. Doesn't look like he will. Yeah, who knows? All right, well. All right, well, let's take a break, and then uh, we come back, we'll talk some Patriots. Sound good? Works for me. All right. Hey, everyone. Mac here. So I know what you're probably thinking. That Bill Burt thinks he knows so much about football. I bet I could outsmart him. Well, I got good news for you. 
annual I Beat Bert contest is back for its 21st season. Just like always, the rules are simple. Pick the weekend's games, and if you get more games right than Bill, you'll win an I Beat Bird t-shirt. You can enter by filling out and mailing in the entry blank in Wednesdays and Thursdays paper each week, or you can enter online at www.eagletribune.com forward slash beatbird. You can also find more info on how to enter, contest rules, and tiebreakers there. All right, back to the show. All right, we're back. So, uh... Chris, uh, Patriots-Jets, the riveting matchup we've all been waiting for. Uh, actually, I say that facetiously, but it's actually turning out to be a better matchup than we would have expected. The Jets are 3-2, and two, just like the Patriots. Just they've like won, everyone thought before the season, right? They, like, they've, they've, they've won three games in a row, and they've looked decidedly solid. Like, not... Right. I mean, I wouldn't say they looked good, but considering that we were all saying, oh, this team's going to go winless, they're tanking, they're going to get the first pick... Uh, no, they've, they've been they've been fine, yeah. right? Fine, fine is a good word for them. Like they've been fine. It's funny the team across town there. The Giants are on five. Yeah, <laughs> it's, honestly, it's almost like the Giants got bit by the Jets bug because they. Oh my god, that that's what a mess. That, that organization is a, a dumpster is. fire. Yep. And then Dominic Rogers Cromartie suspended, <laughs> fighting with his coach, walking out of the facility. Yeah. People, uh, Odell Beckham's injured, yeah, probably out for the season. I think. Yeah, he is. Oh man, well, quite, too bad. quite an operation McAdoo's running over there. Too bad for them. Sort of. Anyway, uh, yeah. So Patriots Jets. Um, I, I know. What do you What do you think about this matchup? I mean, I, I think the Patriots should win. I think they like should win handily, but we'll see. I mean, it's the fact that we're we have to have like a like, oh, yeah. You have to give this some thought. You know, by the point of the season, you're thinking like uh, this is going to be a 45 point win for the Pats. Like right. Like even. we've seen some Jets games, like that famous Thanksgiving game where you had the butt fumble and yep. those you know other turnovers and. You don't get the sense this is going to be like that. You know, maybe they should win, but, I mean, will they? Because offensive line has been not great. And the fact that they have to block for longer probably has a lot to do with that. But, yeah. I mean, we were both of us were just talking to uh, Bill Burt over in the, the office earlier, and he said the way the offensive line is built, that for 15 years they've been – their job has been keep Brady clean long enough for him to fire it off to Edelman, to Welker. And they haven't, that hasn't really been the game plan this year. No, it definitely hasn't. Yeah, I've seen way more of the deep ball. And, I mean, they've been a little banged up, too, offensive line. Yeah, that's not been great. But, you know, who else has been banged up is Tom Brady. He is yeah. uh, apparently dealing with a, a non-throwing shoulder injury. I mean, nobody – he's going to play. Nobody doubts that. But, you know, is that something – it feels like Tom Brady is hurt should be a bigger story than it is. Like, don't you think? Like, yeah, and I is this something we should be concerned about? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's – um. It's almost like a red flag here. Like, if you keep operating the way you are, like, this is a minor injury for him, he's going to get hurt, hurt. Like, if he keeps taking the abuse that he is, I don't care how much concussion water he drinks, how few tomatoes, like, he's going to get hurt if he keeps taking a beating like this. So, I mean, maybe, I don't know, it's changing up the game plan, showing up the offensive line, something, but he, he's 40. He can't get hit like this all season and yeah. expect to be good to go in the playoffs. Right, so that's, a, that's obviously a major concern. Uh, one thing that's looking better, the uh, the defense uh, played a respectable game against Tampa. Yep. You know, I mean, it was a short week. The the fact that the offense looked not great, sort of, you can kind of forgive that just because of the quick turnaround. But the defense, after looking like a sieve for a month, generally played well. The secondary played pretty well. So are we are we looking at that as a potential, hopefully, a turning point for the unit, or maybe just a a flash in the pan? 
it's tough to say on a short week, and especially because I mean, Jameis Winston looked terrible in that game. Yeah, like, what, are, what are you like? He, he certainly helped the battle a lot. Oh, yeah, throwing a triple coverage every single time. It's like what, what what is going on here? But I think this this is a decent test for them. I mean, if they don't look good this week, then you should be concerned against Josh McCown and with what ten days leading up to the game, like. If they don't look strong this week, then that's a huge red flag. That's like, all right, there's there's something wrong here. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. You know, and uh, you know, at three and two, uh, the Bills are three and two as well. We never have had to really consider the division with the Patriots ever. But you know, if the if the Patriots lose this game, then and the Bills turn out to be legit, then maybe that is something we may need to start to consider the possibility that they may in fact not win the division. I'm not entertaining that. <laughs> I'm just I'm, being honestly. I'm just, I'm just trying to throw takes at the wall and see what see which ones. I just, I just will never like. I, I, I don't think I'll ever take the Bills seriously as long as Tom Brady's the quarterback of the Patriots. I mean, just the way he carves them up every single time. But if Tom Brady's not the quarterback of the Patriots, he keeps taking hits like this. Then maybe we're uh, going to see something. Yeah, so Jimmy time. That's pretty much where we're at with this game. I guess we just sort of wait and see. Hope, hope things go well. It's kind of an icky position to be, though. Like the fact that we can't just just not. You know, we could have we, we could have spent this whole thing talking about the Red Sox. And instead, it's like you know we could have laughed and be like, oh yeah, Patriots, yeah, they're gonna win. Okay, let's let's move on. Yeah, it has to be a serious segment. Here. There's a, there's a talk. There's actually a talk a talk that needs to be had. So what do you think, Patriots? Uh, what do you, I'm guessing you probably have them winning this game, right? I do. What's I do. what's your score? Uh, Patriots thirty one. Jets seventeen. All right, I got thir- uh, Patriots thirty-four, Jets twenty-four. I need to see one more big defensive game before I predict them uh, holding a team to under twenty. But maybe this will be the one. I mean, Josh McCown not exactly anybody's idea of a world beater. Even if he somehow managed to stay in the league for fifteen years, even though at no point has he ever been considered good. No, his his career is fascinating. Actually, he's just he's just Josh McCown. It's like. I don't think he's ever going to really like win you a game. He's not going to be a gunslinger, but I don't think he's going to lose you many games either. Like, he'll lose you a few, but I don't think he's a dumpster fire as a quarterback. He's just like, ah, you're, you're okay. Like, well, apparently, being okay is good enough to keep you in the league for 15 years. And, I mean, you uh, look at uh, some of the quarterbacks. I think I, I heard that he's made $38 million in his career, too. Good for that guy. That's pretty good. Not for that guy. That's like it's a lot more money than most people are going to make in their careers, that's for sure. And he's and he started some games. I mean, he, he seems like he's always like the the starting quarterback for the team that doesn't have a quarterback. And like, we need somebody, uh, you, that guy, Come yeah, Josh, over. Josh, Josh, get over here. Yep. Oh well, good for them. Uh, so let's, uh, yeah. Why don't we wrap this up with some uh, manager talk? So, Josh, uh, John, Josh, John Farrell is uh, is out. Uh, the the long running speculation is over. Mm-hmm. So who who are the Red Sox going to bring in? Josh McCown. Um, I wouldn't put it past them, honestly. No, but seriously. No, I, I like um, Alex Cora is probably the hottest name out there right now, and I think with good reason. I think he's somebody that makes a lot of sense for them. The one thing that you look at is like, all right, no managerial experience. I've been a bench coach. There aren't many guys that start managerial careers in Boston for good reason. Right. You know? It's a different animal. But, I mean, Cora played here. There's a lot to like about Alex Cora. He's bilingual. They have The Red Sox have a young core that – a lot of Spanish speakers on it. Like, who knows how in depth um, John Farrell's conversations were with Christian Vasquez or Rafael Devers through a translator? Like, right. He played with Pedroia. Pedroia likes him. That's definitely a dynamic where you can 
with, with this Red Sox team, I don't know that Farrell ever had a, like, deputy in the clubhouse that he could pull aside and be like, hey, this is what, uh, like, I want this, like, relay this message to guys. This is, like, what we need to do. I don't know that he had that guy. When you look at the veterans in there, like, obviously Price is not that guy. I don't think Pedroia was. You know, it's not me. It's them. But I think with Cora, he could deputize Pedroia and be like, all right, you're going to be my mouthpiece in the clubhouse. And I think that could go a long way. And he's gotten a lot of credit for bringing that Houston clubhouse together. Like, he's a good chemistry guy. So, I, uh, if I, I think Cora is probably the smartest hire out there. It seems like he's uh, definitely one of the names you've heard a lot more of. Yeah. Another name I've heard floated is uh, Sandy Alomar, uh, who was just, uh, their season just ended with uh, Cleveland, obviously. Mm-hmm. What do you think about him as a possible option? I mean, I think he's an option. I think, I, he's not a guy I would go out of my way to hire. I, I think the Red Sox would be crazy to hire anyone, actually, in the next, like, week or two. I think this is one of the premier jobs in baseball, really, in all sports. Like, you're going to have a lot of people that want it. Take your time. Talk to people. Do your due diligence. Like, Really take your time with it. A few other names I've seen thrown out there, uh, Ron Gardenhire, who I think Dombrowski has a lot of respect for because he was managing those Twins teams when Dombrowski was in Detroit and they were in a lot of pennant races together. I don't, I don't know that one of the things Dombrowski said in his press conference is that he wants someone that can like, relate to a young core, and I don't know if 59-year-old Gardenhire is that guy. He's sort of old school at this point. Yeah, but if, if you... I mean, even in Minnesota, he's considered a player's manager still. And if you look at... He was over 500 with no payroll there, which there's nothing to be said for that. But in 13 years, he won one playoff series. So, you know, I, I don't know that he's really the answer. Brad Osmus is Dombrowski's boy. I don't know how he would be. There, there's a few things that jump out right away. One of them is that Price said that he is... I don't know if he said this on the record. I, I read that Price said that, um, that he's Price's favorite manager that he's ever had. Osmus was. Osmus was in Detroit. So what are you, what message are you sending to your clubhouse if you are like, oh yeah, well, Price might have gotten Farrell fired and now he's got his guy in here. Like, what message does that send to the young guys that he's taken under his wing, like Ben and Erod? It's basically like, all right, if you pout enough, you're just going to get your way and who knows what an enabled day the Price would be like. Yeah, yeah. So I guess, uh, yeah, I like the, your point about the, um, the, the team needing to hopefully uh, wait just let the process play out because this isn't, you know, the season for, you know, the playoffs aren't even over yet. There's still uh, a lot of time and, you know, managing a baseball team, it's not like, it's not like you're a college football coach or a college basketball coach where you have recruiting timelines to consider. They could have their, they could hire a guy in January and ultimately it won't make the hugest difference. But I mean, I'm sure they'll want somebody sooner than that, but they got to get this right. They do. We've pretty much ever since Francona left the team, this team has had nothing but discord with its managers, and they can really use a little stability. Just somebody who isn't causing all these headlines of will he or won't he be fired from day one. Well, and it's interesting, too, because I think that's going to – those will be less than either way just because now this is Dave's guy. So, like, I'd have a hard time seeing Dave bringing someone in and firing him right off the bat. I think, like I, – I bet the next manager will outlast Dombrowski here based on just how that dynamic works. Yeah, well, I mean, Dombrowski will be the... It's, it's all on him now. It is. His team, his players... I mean, his, his win-now window, like, that's things like, oh, well, Dave's always been one that's going to, like, sell the farm to win now through two years. It's one one playoff game. Right. So, I mean, now, it, 2018 really is all on him. It's like, all right, your team, your manager, your guys, window's closed and go out and do it. 
All right, well, why don't we wrap this up? Any last thoughts on uh, Red Sox, Patriots, anything and everything? Not particularly. I think we covered it. Nice. All right, well, cool. Well, it's been uh, good talking to you. Uh, good to see you again, and uh, hopefully you get a little bit of time to rest uh, after a long and uh, uh, exhausting season. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. All right, well, thanks, thanks for coming down, and uh, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you later, okay? Thank you.